The last week of the Sacramento Kings season has had ups and downs, highs like clinching the playoffs for the first time in nearly 17 years, and lows like losing at home to the San Antonio Spurs. But with four games remaining in this regular season, is now the time to shut down players and rest players before the start of the playoffs? Frankie Cardicelli from Sacktown Sports 1140 joins me to discuss that and more right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all postseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Now that we've had a sleep, maybe it makes last night's loss to the San Antonio Spurs a little bit easier to swallow, although I think it, it, we can definitely put it up there with uh, the most disappointing losses of this Sacramento Kings season. And as we talked a lot on yesterday's Lockdown Kings podcast, the most disappointing losses this season have been inside the Golden 1 Center. Is that a concern for a Sacramento Kings team that we know is going to be starting the playoffs, Games 1 and Games 2 of the opening round? in their own building or because like they've shown in the past, they really step up on the biggest stages in the biggest moments when adversity hits. Can we expect that from them? Frankie and I are going to discuss that. We're going to talk about potentially shutting guys down over the final four games uh, of the, uh, of the regular season, even though the Kings still need three wins to get to that 50 win mark and that 50 win goal that they set for themselves. We're going to talk about, uh, winning a Pacific Division banner and whether or not the Kings should hang another one inside the Golden One Center. A lot of great stuff in this conversation with Frankie that I think you'll really, really enjoy. We also want to hear from you, your thoughts uh, and your comments on this conversation. You can reach out to me on Twitter at any time at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or respond to any of our conversations today uh, or in future uh, episodes in the YouTube comment section down below. For now, here is my conversation with my good buddy and the, uh, as he self-proclaims, Gliz Master himself. If you don't know, I guess you'll find out. Frankie Cardicelli joins me right here on Locked on Kings. It's normally around this time of year that Frankie Cardicelli, myself, and the rest of Sacramento Kings media and the fan base are planning our uh, our spring and summer vacations. Typically, we're paying attention to baseball. Of course, Frankie's wearing his uh, his Yankee shirt, so he's definitely paying attention to baseball. As an Ace fan, I'm happily not paying attention to baseball now that the Sacramento Kings are going to be playing hopefully deep into April and maybe even May. I have a chance to actually have basketball on my uh, on my birthday this year, but that would require a pretty deep run. Frankie, Kings are going to the playoffs. We know that for sure. However, a bit of a sour taste in our mouth right now with how uh, last night's game ended to the San Antonio Spurs. Before we get into what's happening currently, I want to go back to Portland because you and I were both there uh, to watch the Sacramento Kings clinch. You were also there the uh, the second game in Portland. I headed back after the, the Kings clinching game on Wednesday. But you and I are very similar. We're in very similar boats because we've managed to turn our fandom and love for this city and uh, love of this organization into a career. So we have kind of a unique perspective in professional media where we understand what this fan base has gone through. We understand what the last 16, nearly 17 years have been. So 
the Kings clinching had a, a, a pretty pronounced effect on us. It had a pronounced effect on me. I'm curious for you what it was like for you to be in that building. You had a really unique seat, not just there as media, but you were sitting right next to the G-man who got to make his call uh, of the Kings clinching the playoffs. What was your perspective? What was that night like for you to be on the road covering this team, finally clinching a playoff spot? Matthew, first of all, thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure to join you on this this wonderful program, sir. Uh, Portland was, we knew it was coming for a while. Like, the, first of all, the clinch. We knew the clinch was coming. And I think you and I have talked about it. And other people at Kingsby have talked about how would that make it actually, would it take away from the event? Would it make it a little less, you know, t- take some of the oomph out of it, you know? And I think once we saw the Kings lose to the Timberwolves, I started kind of getting those feelings of, like little jitters and just feeling excited to go on this trip and see it happen. And, you know, I think I was kind of feeling, I, I don't want to say nothing, but it was kind of business as usual. You know, Kings are in the third quarter. It was a game that, you know, both Portland games were kind of unremarkable and, and the Kings were not really playing to the best of their ability, which I'm sure is a trend. And we'll probably talk more about the Spurs game later because it's something that's still continuing for them. But once they turned it on late in the fourth and in second half, I kind of started just feeling this indescribable, uh, like excitement. Um, it's just a feeling I can't really describe. I mean, you and I, I think we're the same age, 28, and we've gone a majority of our lives waiting for the team that we have loved and grew up loving and being obsessed with to to just be good, just be, you know, one of, you know, one of the better half of the conferences to play past the final game of the season, playing 83rd game. That's all we've ever wanted. And here it was right in front of us. And, you know, I saw your your emotions, and, and obviously that was really cool to see. And Carmichael Day was, you know, uh, like a fire hydrant on the on the sideline, just letting tears fly. Katie Christensen had a really cool post game moment, but um, I kind of just like I wanted to make sure I sat there and soaked it in. I I, I put my phone to the side. I didn't you look wasn't looking at my laptop. I was kind of just watching the game unfold, and um, I really wanted to soak it in. And I made sure I I did go over and get a video of of, of G Man, get a quick snap of him because. He's somebody that is so deserving to call playoff basketball. His voice, we grew up listening to him. I mean, everybody else out there that's that's been watching or listening to Kings basketball since the team came here can attest to that Gary Gerald is Sacramento Kings basketball at its peak. That man has done so much that has it will stay with me forever. Just the calls and his impact and being able to be five feet from him and Jay Ross was a memory I'll always, I'll always you know cherish. But um them just getting it out of the way and seeing the social media reaction was incredible. Um, hearing the players celebrate when they've been so stoic about it. They've been so, uh, you know, they've said they've had bigger goals than just making the playoffs. They want to see what comes after that. But to see them actually take in that game and, and you can hear it in the locker room that they were, you know, celebrating and, and as they should, the end of a 16-year playoff drought. It's a, it's a memory I'm, I'm always going to, you know, look back on fondly of. And, and I'm so happy it happened and happy I was there for it. Just a quick side note, myself, Frankie Cardicelli, Brendan Nunez, and uh, Chris Watkins, we've discussed doing this before, and listeners, I'm, I'm curious your opinion on this, because 
uh, I kind of consider us the next generation of of Sacramento Kings media in a lot of ways. And, and we've discussed uh, coming together for a podcast, maybe an off-season podcast, and discussing what it's like to cover Sacramento Kings basketball, especially considering three out of the four of us kind of grew up or are pretty diehard fans of the organization. And, and the fourth is kind of becoming that, but is just a basketball fan and and and, and nut job to begin yeah, with. So yeah. uh, let us know if you would like us to do a podcast like that, because I think it would be really fun for the four of us to sit down and just discuss our experiences covering um, covering basketball and kind of while basketball is changing, so is basketball media and NBA media. So that was a quick side note. Now back to the conversation at hand. Frankie, you and I have discussed this before off air, but it seems like when talking to the players, the build up to clinching, the clinching night itself, like they've kind of had a a too cool attitude. And and I don't mean that in a, necessarily in a, in a negative way. This team knew that they were going to clinch. They've known for a while they were going to clinch. They came in with the expectation. Mike Brown came in with the, with the expectation that this team is going to win and make it to the playoffs. So for them, this is just the uh, the accomplishing of a goal and, and there's still business to be done, right? I understand that completely. At the same time, though, I know guys like De'Aaron Fox especially understand what this means to the organization, what this means to the fan base. They've talked about it before. So did it bother you at all about the kind of, I don't know if nonchalant is necessarily the right way to approach it, but I don't think we needed a Patrick Beverly jumping on the scores table with waving a jersey or towel above his head kind of celebration or anything like that. But did it bother you at all that the players were kind of like, brushing off the significance of it or do you think they knew it and acknowledged it we heard the celebration happen in the locker room before we were allowed to get in there do you think there actually is that acknowledgement and that celebration of making the playoffs they're just not letting that side show publicly yet yeah and i mean i think it just depends on like the you know the player i think De'Aaron fox is somebody who did show some relief in the locker room and he did kind of expand on it more than we have seen it before and saying, well, now they can't say it anymore. They can't say the 16-year drought about the Kings anymore. And it's just a lot of the players that have come in and coaches, they haven't been here for, for a large part of that 16-year drought. They haven't been, you know, they don't they don't feel responsible as they shouldn't. I mean, Kevin Herter was in the playoffs last year. Uh, Harrison Barnes is, is a champion. I mean, people have come from different situations. And I think that when you've come from other situations where you've won and you don't have that just dark cloud hanging over your head of wow it's been this many x amount of years and we have not won anything have nothing to show for it um even darren fox said it's part of the process he said guys miss the playoffs for five six years and, and to begin their careers all the time and and you know this one's a little different because it's been 16 years and hearing them celebrate was was to me it kind of just built on that fact that these guys do care but they do have larger goals. I mean, Harrison Barnes has talked about 50 wins all season long. And while the Spurs loss hurts that chance, they still have an opportunity to do to do so. Um, you know, the playoffs are coming up. Mike Brown, somebody who's been in the playoffs so many times in his career, been to the finals so many times in his career with different groups and different Hall of Fame talents. I mean, snapping a playoff drought, I don't know where that ranks on his list of accomplishments. Probably not that high considering he's a, a champion, but uh, it's something that should be notable and, and something that people, fans and coaches, players, everyone should really look at and, in my opinion, hold to a higher regard because it really is historic. The Kings did not make the playoffs for almost 20 years, and it came to an end because of, uh, I mean, really it comes down to press, pressing the right buttons. I mean, give some credit to Vivek Ranadive, who I think has been, you know, raked over the coals for a while here now. He 
listened to the people around him. He hired, he helped hire a good GM, Monty McNair, let Monty McNair and his executives do their jobs to the best of their ability, which and this is what it looks like. You hire a head coach who's going to win coach of the year. You bring in new talent, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, guys that have been great additions to the team. You draft Keegan Murray, who is the best shooting rookie in NBA history. Give some credit to the, to the guys up top. And I just, I'm, I can't remember what the question was. I'm just, I'm just, I think it should, oh yeah, it, it, it should definitely be, uh, be known that the players care. I think that they do care. They just didn't want to make it like this big thing. And it does make you wonder what would have been the reaction if they played at home. I don't think it would have been the Pat Bev jump on the scorer's table celebration. Might have been some, you know, players coming out and, you know, waving to the fans and just something like that saying thank you. I think that would have been pretty cool. Um, something subtle like that. Nothing crazy. No one, no champagne, you know, popping, nothing like that. But um, they care. I always knew they cared. It's just they, they have bigger goals in mind. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. I've had a lot of you asking me about playoff tickets. There still is a lot of unknown about getting tickets to Game 1 and Game 2 inside the Golden 1 Center. Heck, maybe you're uh, going to be on the road wanting to travel to see the Sacramento Kings in the playoffs. Maybe you want to try and get in the door for the Kings and Warriors final regular season game coming up on Friday. Or maybe one of these final three road games. The Kings are coming to your city and you want to get in. Now you have a, a stress-free, easy way of getting tickets, even down to the very last minute with game time. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have, not just for sporting events, of course, for concerts and other shows as well. They have flash deals for last-minute tickets, so you can get even bigger discount on already discounted prices to get in the door at the very last second. You get images of seat views that are as accurate as possible, so you know exactly what the view is going to look like from wherever you're sitting inside any arena forget planning months in advance game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you a hundred and ten percent of the difference get uh images of your seats nice and easy uh so like i said you know exactly where you're sitting and some apps will give you a decent view but it's more generalized for the section you'll get to the row uh, a view of what you're going to be looking at download the game time app create an account use promo code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply a grant Create an account and redeem uh, Locked On NBA that code for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The last four games have been kind of a, a, a sandwich of negativity and positivity. You have the Kings' two big wins in Portland. I say big wins because they were. I mean, maybe the second game was a little closer than we would have liked, but winning by forty points, clinching the playoffs, sandwiched in between two very disappointing games at home. Now, Monday's loss, last Monday's loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think too many of us, myself included, walked in that game with with too high of expectations in terms of, oh, the Kings are absolutely going to clinch when Minnesota's a good basketball team, even though they're kind of falling apart right now. Then, then there's last night where the Kings walk onto their home floor against the Spurs team that before last night had won only 19 games and a team that is actively in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes. And you allow that team to put up 140 points on you. You allow that team to come in and, and perform the same way a lot of teams do inside the Golden 1 Center, which is with a lot of confidence. The Sacramento Kings average uh, give up 120 points per game uh, defensively at home, which is worst in the league. Frankie, the Kings have clinched home court advantage, which is amazing. 
except they've played their worst basketball of the season at home. Now, granted, the majority of their worst losses have been against lesser opponents that that they should be beating. I don't know if the Kings can say they should be beating anybody in the playoffs at this point that they're likely going to face. Are you concerned at all that game one and game two are going to be in Sacramento, which is a crazy thing to say, considering the fact that the Kings in Sacramento have not looked the best? No, I mean, look, I think it's been definitely uh, the best way to categorize it. It's been a bummer watching them fall short against. I also had high expectations against Minnesota, and it's a team that the Kings have struggled with before that matchup, and you saw how much they struggled that night. Granted, it was the worst three-point shooting performance in three years right. against Minnesota, and they were missing open looks. And Mike Brown had kind of just chalked it up to shots weren't falling, and they had good looks. And I don't want to make excuses, but I, I didn't think when, when they have a sense of urgency, which I personally have not seen from them in since that game or before that game. I didn't see it in Portland. They really just, you know, kind of outscored them in the end. They did the offense, what the offense does. They didn't really lock in defensively or do anything crazy where you see the intensity – Last night against the Spurs, same thing. It, it just kind of seemed like one of those games where the Kings are going to sleepwalk their way to a victory, and the Spurs, give them credit. They were playing their asses off last night. They had the intensity. I felt their sense of urgency because that's one thing I've learned, and I'm sure you've learned it too while covering the NBA over the past couple of years. Players don't give a damn about lottery odds. They don't care about who the team could pick. There's no guarantee. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for some of these guys. They might right. be shipped off as soon as the game, you know, not not deadline post deadline obviously but they might be shipped off as soon as the regular season's over for other asset you never know so they want to win athletes want to win games and last night you saw it point blank period 19 wins or not San Antonio Spurs have NBA players with NBA talent and whether it's guys at the end of the bench or guys that were in the G League a week ago they're competent NBA players and they're going to do what they can to win the game and the Kings did not have a sense of urgency now i'm looking more towards tomorrow in New Orleans i'm looking at the Dallas game games that have teams that are in the play-in or playoff race. Dallas is, you know, the NBA is about to have a funeral for them. They're one loss away from being toast. Hmm. Can the Kings put them away? Can the Kings come out and play against the Pelicans team that they might play in the first round? If, if, if the Pelicans keep winning the way that they're playing the way that they're playing, they might be in New Orleans for game three of the first round. So I'm, I'm very interested to see if that urgency can show up against teams that are in the race there's also the comfortability factor of playing at home against some of these teams. Too. I think that when you play at home against teams that are, you know, whether you're going to quench a playoff spot, you're playing against a team that's out of the playoff race completely. Kevin Herter said it on with Dave and Jason. I think that there's a sense of comfortability there when you're at home with the crowd, the way that it is. Let's see them go back on the road where they played well this year. Can they be, you know, I guess, you know, they've been comfortable on the road and winning games. Can they just show that urgency? I'm looking for the urgency. I'm looking for, the defensive intensity to pick up. You can see it in the plays. You can see it in De'Aaron Fox, who uh, has been a good defender this year. Seeing him lock back in defensively would be in, uh, something I'm watching for. Watching how the guys can keep teams from knocking down threes at a ridiculous rate because the opponents have been going crazy against them. Portland and San Antonio both had great nights from three. Um, I want to see them shut down New Orleans from the perimeter, but I'm, I'm watching for stuff like that. So the the short answer is I'm not concerned. It's it's It sucks to see it, but... The Kings have been a good team. A couple of games won't determine from that fact, but they absolutely need to take better care of home court. 
you use the perfect word over and over and over again. You use the word urgency. And and the reason why I say it's the perfect word is it's because it's the word that Mike Brown used in his post-game press conference last night. Now, Frankie, I thought he said a lot of pretty eye-opening things last night, which Brown has not shied away from saying what needs to be said in press conferences all year long. But he shared one of the main things that worries him is this team's lack of urgency at times. And I I, I put on my little uh, dress up uh, uh, like detective hat and got my magnifying glass out. And I was trying to like break down, like, where is this lack of urgency coming from and why is it so different? And I, I think I figured out or at least what makes sense to me is the Kings come out of the all-star break. They know how close everybody else is. They've heard all the narratives. They hear all the talk about how good the West of the rest and conference has gotten. And they've just kind of stayed put. They hear people saying this team is going to fall apart. This is, these are like the meaningful games where, where you separate the, the pretenders from the contenders. And, so Sacramento comes out and they're the hottest team in basketball from that point on. And they're winning every game, regardless of the opponent they're coming out and whether they're at home or on the road, they're winning, they're establishing themselves pretty early on. Uh, and, and they're cementing themselves as a playoff team. As soon as we got to that point where we knew it, they were going to clinch, it was only a matter of time. That's when we've seen the team take their foot off the gas a little bit. I can't figure out if that bothers me more or if that encourages me. And what I mean by that is, when when the lights are brightest, when they know they have to perform, this team steps up. They play with that urgency and they play like one of the best teams in the NBA, which in theory you would think come playoff time, they know the significance of that regardless of who they're facing. So they'll step up and they'll be ready to go. But at the same time, when we're four games left in the regular season, and I understand this is around the time that playoff teams typically kind of rest guys or shut them down and kind of ease their way in. Is this an appropriate time for the Sacramento Kings who have not been there before, who have never been in this position before? Most of these players on this team have never been in this position before. Is this the right time for them to allow themselves to mentally relax, allow themselves to take a step back and almost limp into the playoffs instead of sprint into the playoffs? Do you have any kind of thoughts on whether it's that theory or that approach or that mindset? Or do you see a little bit of, I guess, what I'm babbling about? No, I mean... I think it just depends. I mean, look, they have a, a top four spot locked in. Is the Pacific Division a total goal for them? Mike Brown, it's not like he cares about winning the Pacific. So I feel like once they win the Pacific Division, and we've already seen, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of answering your question by not answering your question, but I'm going to try my best. To <laughs> if You've seen how they've got, played these last couple of games. I don't think that's indicative of what you know is to come, or or it's not anything that I'm overly concerned about because of, the track record. And when you see the team going into the playoffs, they have home court opportunity to rest some guys. Cause right now what I'm seeing is they're I'm seeing some burnout players mentally and physically. That's what I'm seeing. First and foremost, when you look at the fact that the starting lineup is played, I think every guy in the starting lineup is going to play over 70 games. I think every player will play 70 plus games. That hasn't happened around the NBA. I think that's the most amount of, of uh, just the, the cohesiveness of everyone playing together that much no other team in the nba has matched that the De- uh De'Aaron fox is playing with you know I, he hasn't been attacking the paint as much he had some hamstring soreness is that hindering his ability to be as aggressive he's shooting a lot of threes um demonsa bonus playing with a broken hand hmm. um i just think that the team it might be time to start thinking about shutting down a couple players here and there um 
I'm trying what was the what was the what was your question again? What was like the actual point of the question again? It was more of just a ramble. I'm just curious if, if you I'm well, I'm rambling too, man. We're both just rambling. We're having a ramble off. If you if you think this team is going to be all right because they've proven over the course of the season that when the when they need to, they will get up and perform at the highest level so that we expect that in the playoffs or oh, yeah. the fact that they're not playing that way right now leaves cause for concern with the playoffs approaching. No, um, I think they've gotten them for big games before. And the Minnesota game, again, it, it, it's unfortunate because that fits the criteria and it's the most recent example of a big game. That was a game that all the hype you could imagine was leading into it. They fell short, again, because of a, a three-point shooting night that was the worst since 2020. But they've gotten up for other big games and won those. I mean, they it was early season. They played Golden State after losing them twice. They, they needed to prove they could beat them. They did at home, which is nice to see that they could beat a fully healthy Golden State Warriors team, by the way, as Andrew Wiggins is nearing a return. They beat them already at home. The Clippers game on the road, fully healthy Los Angeles Clippers team. Another big game that at that time had to do with seeding. I think they were right there battling for a top four spot at that at that point in time in February. Beat them in one of the highest scoring games in NBA history. They've shown up in games against even the Milwaukee Bucks, a game that they really had a chance to win late. And even even just thinking about the games that they have lost or fallen short in, they had chances to win the game. Even last night, a game that was ugly and as bad as we've seen them, ball was in De'Aaron Fox's hands at the end of the game with uh, you know 10 seconds on the clock. They had a chance to win it. So that gives me faith that even when the team is struggling and they're not fully in it, they're not all the way out of the game. They have their chances to come back. And as we've seen, even when they go down by 20 points, it's it's the first Kings team in my life I've watched and been and just thought down by twenty, they, they if they can get it to you know nine or ten by the end of the quarter or the end of the, of the half they're gonna be fine, and that's something we've talked about too at games. They'll just get it to eight by halftime if they're down by you know eighteen, get it to ten. This team is able to do it because of the high the high paced uh, you know offense and high scoring offense. It makes them dangerous. It's something I think Jason Ross said. I can't remember if he said to HB during his sit down, but I think it was, um, you know, how come they say defense wins championships? They say defense ch- wins championships a lot. How come they can't say offense wins championships? Why can't that be the saying? And I think it might be at some point because a lot of these teams in the NBA, not many of them are are known for their lockdown, shutdown defenses as much as they used to be. It's all off. It's mostly offensive, and the Kings have that. So that gives me faith that they are going to be fine. Obviously, at the end of the year, it's game seventy eight. Um, they've been, they've 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 won forty seven games. You know, I think people we shouldn't be running around screaming the sky is falling off of a couple games. It's 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 discouraging to see it, but um, I'm more encouraged by what's happened the first seventy eight games. Today's episode of the Lockdown Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. And if you've listened to me talk about therapy here on the Lockdown Kings podcast before, you know it's something that I'm actually passionate about and that means a lot to me. During the COVID-19 pandemic, I actually started going to a therapist. Before that, I never thought that my problems were big enough for therapy, right? And I didn't just go for myself. I went for my marriage and and my, uh, my relationship with my wife. No problem is too small to see a therapist. And I learned that very, very quickly. I have a connection with my therapist who's become a friend of mine, someone that I trust on, someone that I rely on, the conversations that I have with him uh, every single month help make me a healthier, better person. And my mental health is just as important as my physical health. And a lot of us 
we don't take care of ourselves mentally. We kind of uh, push our mental health aside. Go and give a therapist a try. I encourage everybody to try therapy at least once. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge if maybe you don't connect with your therapist like I did. You should have an established, strong connection with someone that you're going to spend that much time and vulnerability with. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get $10 off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. When the Sacramento Kings clinch the Pacific Division, the world wants to know, Frankie Cardicelli, where are you at on the hang the banner don't put a banner up in the uh, in in the Golden One Center for another Pacific Division title. By the way, just their third in history and their first since 2003, and we know how good that Sacramento Kings team was. So I think it's pretty significant. But where are you at with the hang the banner or nah? Wait for a championship banner up there. It's it's hang the banner, but, but I saw it in Portland. They have one banner with a list of a list of years, and they can add to it. I'm I'm more in that camp. I think that the separate banners have made me very sad to look at over the past <laughs> you know over the years. Just seeing them up there makes me sad. So I think giving that and also takes up space. You know, let's leave room for the conference championships and the NBA championship banners. You know, let's let's leave room for those. But I think uh, having them on a list would be cool. But yeah, you have to recognize that winning the Pacific for the first time in 20 years. Recognize that and. It is unfortunate to me that the NBA, out of all the you know, the major sports, is kind of like it's the least notable to win a division in, in the NBA. But it should be it should be bigger than that. And I'm not just saying that because it's the Kings. I've always thought winning a division in, in the NBA was kind of a big deal. You know, it's just a testament to how well you've played. And look at the names beneath the Kings. They've had better seasons than them. Whether it's injuries or not, the Kings have won. You know, each time they've been presented with an opportunity, they've won more times than not. So. They should be uh they should be honored for that and I'm I'm in the banner camp absolutely and the Pacific Division I think is the best division in basketball I mean just considering the teams yeah. and the talent every single team in the Pacific Division might actually make the playoffs which is pretty crazy to talk about too so it's a tremendous accomplishment I say add another banner sure it's sad but there's plenty yeah. of room up there in Golden One Center add another one just make it oh, hang it like your kids wall art that nobody really likes to look at but it's like you acknowledge <laughs> you have to like put it up there I'm I'm make, all about it make room next to the Paul McCartney banner absolutely the Paul McCartney banner is one of the biggest banners in there which I understand why but Move over, Paul. It's the last banner that the Kings have hung to, technically. That's that's wild. Move Seven over, years. Paul. Move over, Paul. <laughs> um, last thing, Frankie. We might not know who the Kings play in the opening round until literally the last day of the season. Like, that's how tight this race is. Are there teams that you would be like, yes, I want the Kings to play them, or contra- uh, on the flip side, teams that you're like, no, do not want the Kings to play that team. It doesn't, you don't have to have one for both. You might not have any for either. But if, if, if any of the names, when you're searching through the playoffs and you go, man, I really want the Kings to play that team for whatever reason, or I want the Kings to avoid that team like the play, are any of those teams come to mind? And if you need nope. time to think, I got some, sh- I got some uh, in my own. No, the well, the one that for sure is jumping out. I'm saying no, no, no is Phoenix. Phoenix looks really good with Kevin Durant, and they're just full steam ahead. I think they've won five in a row. I don't think they're going to be uh, in the running to be in the six right now. Anyway, um, I have no interest in playing Phoenix. Uh, a team I will say I think I'd, I'd like to play. I think New Orleans. I mean, if, if especially if Zion's not playing, I think the Kings have proven they can uh, play well and they can beat New Orleans. They had that ugly, ugly game earlier in the season, but. 
um, turned around and had one of their better games against them last time around. So I'm interested to see how tomorrow goes. Obviously, if the Kings get you know waxed tomorrow, maybe I change my mind. But I feel like they match up well against New Orleans. Um, I do think a Golden State series I've kind of come around to because of the fact that Golden State has offensive firepower, no doubt. So do the Kings. That's the Kings' main game, and the Kings win that game more times than not. Golden State's defense has been atrocious. It's horrible. Uh, one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I think the Kings, especially the, if they can you know take care of business and and uh, figure out how to win at home, they have a good chance at winning that series. So I, I do like the idea of the Kings playing Golden State more than I do about them playing the Lakers, which is crazy to say. But with Anthony Davis is playing like an MVP right now, and LeBron James is healthy or healthy enough to play, go out there and get you twenty five and you know six and seven or whatever he usually gets. I don't know. They have they added length too with Jared Vanderbilt, a guy who we really wanted on the Kings. I don't know if you wanted him on the Kings, but I was very much in the Jared Vanderbilt camp. Uh, he's been great for them, but um, I'd say no, don't want the Suns. Don't really want the Lakers. I want the Pelicans. And I say, I, I'll say, I, I guess I want the Warriors. I think I, I don't, I didn't think I'd want them a week ago, but I've kind of changed tunes. Like, it's like, who do you want instead? Like, I, I want the Warriors more than the Timberwolves. I mean, how do you feel? So the Warriors, the Warriors are the team that I've thought the most about. And there are both selfish reasons and basketball reasons that I don't want the Warriors. I understand what you're saying about the Los Angeles Lakers, too. I think you could make an argument for why any single one of these teams is going to be tough for Sacramento to play. You could also make an argument for why Sacramento could beat any single one of these teams. I think that's just the position that the Kings are in at this point. I agree with you. Phoenix Suns, thankfully, probably not going to be a reality. But the Phoenix Suns are a team that should be looked at as the team coming out of the West, just considering where they've been and the talent that they have. Sorry, no disrespect to Denver. No disrespect to to Memphis. Like the Suns are built to win a championship yeah. or flame out. Um, but intended. Y- y- yes, sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I-, I think, I think it would be it, 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 to me. It's it's silly to want the Warriors and not want the Lakers. I understand the argument completely. I really, really do. The Warriors are defending champions. Steph Curry is good enough by himself to carry that team to a title like he did literally just last year. And what concerns me the most about the Golden State Warriors, other than the fact that I don't want to have to travel to San Francisco, did that enough last year. Um, the, The Warriors are so good at home that if the Sacramento Kings slip up inside the Golden One Center, I think they're in trouble. Like other teams, I think the Kings can win one or two games on the road. They might be able to get one game in Golden State. And maybe I'm I'm not giving the Kings the credit they deserve as a road team, but the Golden State Warriors are so good inside the Chase Center. Granted, there are going to be a decent amount of Kings fans in the Chase Center, just like there'd be a decent amount of Warriors fans mm-hmm. in Golden One. The Warriors are so good in that building that the Kings drop one of game one or game two. They're put on the back foot where they have to win a road game in order to get home court advantage back. Every other arena in the West, I think, yeah, they have a very good chance of doing yeah. it. In Golden State, I don't know if they can do it. And the Golden State Warriors are, of course, good enough to and and have been there before to to win at least one game inside of the Golden One Center. So I, I'm I am nervous about the Warriors, but also I don't think the Sacramento Kings should be afraid of anybody. Like that's kind of where I'm at. Let us fans be nervous and 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 to make arguments for who we want to play or don't want to play. I think the Sacramento Kings should not be afraid of anybody because Agreed. everybody wants to play them. The Kings have one of the greatest offenses in NBA history. It's going to be up to them to hit shots and back that up defensively. We know there are holes. We know teams are going to target them. So what? Like, you know what's coming. 
prepare for it, be ready for it and hit shots, hit big shots on the biggest stage that you've, some of you have ever played on. So I don't think the Kings should be afraid of anybody. And I think every single series that we're likely going to get in the opening round has a chance to be a really, really good series. Everyone's beatable. And the Kings have beaten all these teams before the Kings have beaten every team in the West. So they haven't beaten the, the KD, the KD, you know, sons yet. They haven't gotten to play them yet, but uh, hopefully they don't have to in the first round, but no, I, everyone's beatable. And even if they played the Warriors, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Warriors have been the best home team in the NBA, arguably the best home team in the NBA, if not number one. Number two, I know Memphis is a really good home team too, but um, we saw the Kings battle them. And I think it was the first week of the season, the Kevin Herter, you know, the, the three that you got fouled on, they didn't call it. They had a chance to win that game. Mm. Um, I, I just think that when you look at the length that Minnesota has, you know, and obviously Nas Reed being out definitely – yeah, mm. uh, that damages Minnesota's ability to defend at the level they were before because he really just gave the Kings hell on offense too. He just had his career night every time he played the Kings. Um, I just would rather have faced the Warriors than them, but each each team will present a challenge. The Warriors, like you said, damn good team at home. Minnesota, they have length that will give the Kings nightmares. Phoenix, Kevin Durant, don't really need to say more. <laughs> um, New Orleans, I mean... That's a team I think it's a favorable matchup for the Kings. In my opinion, if you had to say a, a, the, the most favorable on paper, probably New Orleans, you mm-hmm. know, especially if Zion's not playing. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to be easy. They have Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, uh, Valanciunas is somebody who's given the Kings trouble in the past. I, I think that there's always challenges that are going to present themselves, but the Kings have plenty of challenges to present as well. They have a deep team, high paced, uh, powerful offense, and a good fourth quarter defense. I mean, it, Throughout the season, that's when they played their best defenses late in the game. So uh, I think when, like we talked about urgency, when the urgency is really needed, I think the Kings are going to come through. Let's just see who they play. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to go through the scenarios and excited to kind of map out uh, who they're who they're playing and and just looking back at the, the previous matchups. I'm excited to get into all that stuff. But uh, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be fun, though, most of all. First and foremost, it's, it's going to be fun. It's fun to be able to finally have these conversations, that's for sure. Well, Frankie's continuing to have these conversations. You can hear him basically every day now on uh, Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio on all the different shows over there. He's the King's Insider over there writing uh, uh, all of his articles for uh, Sacktown Sports 1140 plus uh, the work that he does with Return of the Roar. And Frankie's everywhere, especially at halftime getting cookies and hot dogs and making sure uh, others of us can't that's get all them us. for him. So, that's all of us, yeah. Halftime uh, uh, playoff hot dogs are coming. Frankie, I appreciate you so they're much. They're going to hit good. They're going <laughs> to hit really nice. Yeah. Well, thanks- you usually eat them when they're losing. So hopefully you're not enjoying them. And, and you know, I didn't last night and I learned my lesson from yeah. now on. Even if I will always have one. I didn't last night. I'll never forgive myself, but I'm excited for it, man. Excited to get out there with you. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. You're already six bowls deep into popcorn, though, usually. So, yeah, I yeah. go pretty hard. I go pretty hard on game days. My cholesterol, it, it's, it's going to rise just from game days. So longer the playoff uh, the playoff run the more i'm in trouble big thank you to frankie for joining me here on today's locked on kings podcast really appreciate my buddy always coming on uh, he does phenomenal work and remember if you want myself frankie chris and brendan to kind of get together maybe this offseason do a little round table about what it's like to to cover sacramento kings basketball and talk about that and go behind the scenes a little bit and just discuss kind of our journeys if that's anything that you'd be particularly interested in uh let me know because i think the four of us we uh we have a pretty good bond a pretty good connection i think we would like to do that so uh if that's something you would like to hear again let me know if you want to respond to anything frankie and i talked about please feel free to do so again you can do that on twitter at matt george sack you can email me matt george sports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the youtube comment section down below 
We'll uh, come back tomorrow for uh, the one of the far, final four regular season games for Sacramento. The playoffs are right around the corner. We'll see what Mike Brown and the Kings do and if they try and respond to that bad loss to San Antonio last night. Until then, uh, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 